0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 669 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the Murdoch Method and Trust Design. We've got a special show today with Felicitas von Neumann-Cosell discussing how to properly influence the shoulders of the horse. And then Wendy is on to talk about the Feldenkrais Method.
1: This is Reese Koppler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
0: This is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to The Dressage Radio Show.
1: Hi, Phil.
0: Hey, Reese. We're recording a little early.
1: Yes, we've got a busy couple weeks. I'm going to be in Virginia and Maryland next week. So if anyone's in Virginia and Maryland and would like to come watch a clinic, check out I'll put some information on our Facebook page, and I would love to meet you in person. Uh, So we're starting to travel again, which is just crazy. I feel like I haven't. I've been on a plane like once. It, you know, it, it's it's crazy. I used to travel all the time. So I'm really looking forward to going to see some friends and, and going to Virginia and then back to the Eastern shore where I spent some summers. So I am looking forward to it. So I'm going to uh, Megan Brady's who's been on the show and Kelly McGinn's farm. So looking forward to it. So we're recording a little bit early. So we have a great show for everybody. We hope you like it. This is going to get really technical tonight, uh, which is really fun. Phil and I like to do some of these pretty technical interviews. So we hope you enjoy the show tonight.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
2: Have you heard of Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a yeast, a type of probiotic. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it benefits your horse's digestive tract in several different ways. One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of something called brush broader membrane enzymes that are found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, Fewer of them escape into the hindgut, where they can ferment and cause imbalances that lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advanced contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract and peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis.
0: This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com.
1: Well, tonight we are so excited to have back on our show, Felicitas von Neumann-Cassell. She's an FEI rider and trainer and a perfect person to talk us through the horse's shoulder sling. This has been a, a listener question and it's something we've wanted to chat about. So we wanted to have her on specifically for this topic. Felicitas, welcome back to our show.
3: Well, thank you guys so much for inviting me again. It's really a pleasure to be here. And obviously, you picked a rather difficult subject for me to describe. (laughs) Sorry about that, but we knew you can do it. No, Okay, I will give it my best try. And I have to say that a lot of my students really have a difficult idea to wrap their head around the sling apparatus that we call it. And I've been very fortunate that years ago, my veterinarian already spoke about the sling apparatus when nobody talked about it. And then I had a wonderful osteopath from Germany who also wrote a book about those biomechanics for uh, many years come to first choice. And he worked with me and showed what he did in his adjustments. And he talked so much about the shoulder girdle and what the horse's forehand has to do that it became a lot more clear for me, how the horse has to use its front end. But I find for the regular person, that's difficult. They all talk about use the hind leg, use the hind leg, push the hind leg, Horses to sit, horse has to push, horse has to carry. But if the front end is in the way or not in the right position, it's difficult to do. So one of the things that I like to do for my students, I invite them, particularly if they've done yoga before, but Anybody should do that in order to have sympathy for the horse, to get on your fours, get on your knees and your hands, and just kind of feel when you're on all fours what that feels like. One of the differences between us and the horse is that we, we have the collarbone. The horse doesn't have a collarbone. But thinking about that doesn't really help us a lot. It just tells us that there are muscles that are holding up that sling, and there is a way the horse can engage to be able to raise its withers. So when you're on all fours, you kind of can play horsey. I do that all the time because it really helps me to appreciate how the horse would work. And, you know, you put your head up and you look around and you feel how your uh, spine kind of sinks down between your shoulders. And from that position, when you look up and you look around, if you try to tuck your pelvis a little, you're going to realize that you have very little flexibility. And when you try to kind of bend in your waist and your armpit to mimic a bend, you will also feel that you are rather rigid and stiff. So that tells us exactly what happens. Your horse is walking along, it puts its head up and looks around and its spine goes down and you don't have the necks off. You can't make it sit. You can't make it carry any weight. You can't make it bend. So that's a no-go. So then you kind of on your all fours, start to just lower your head, just kind of let it hang down. And then you kind of try to tilt your pelvis and you feel that there is a little more give. Your back can come up a little more. And then that gives you the idea, oh, okay, my horse is starting to let his neck come down and it opens the back up a little so it's more easy to tuck your pelvis. And then I invite you to slowly start pushing up off your hands like you really want to raise your rib cage. You want to raise your sternum and you, you pushing off your arms like you are doing a push up. And you'll be amazed how much you can raise your rib cage and your, you know, quote, withers will come up. And then try to tuck your pelvis. And you will be equally amazed how much you can round your back and how much you can tuck your pelvis. And from that position, when you try to bend in your rib cage, you're gonna realize how much more flexibility you have. And that's kind of how I imagine what my horse is doing. So we have to get this positive tension that the horse raises its withers and pushes up off its front feet in order to get that rib cage up and, you know, to get the front end out of the way for the hind leg to step through. Now, one more thing while you're on the ground that I would invite you to do is that when you are bending in the middle, be mindful and feel, do you have equal weight on both front of your hands that mimic the front feet and see Maybe when you're bending to the left, maybe you have more weight on your left foot, front foot, or you have more weight on your right front foot, but you start to get the idea that when the horse bends, it's not always easy to keep equal weight on both front feet. Like my right hand was always weighted more, so that showed me how mindful I had to be to have equal weight on both of my front hands and my front feet, so to speak.
0: I think it's interesting, you know, when I do these mental exercises or or think about this, is that um, you know, like if if we're mimic, mimicking the horse, we have to remember the differences and that you know our shoulder blades are horizontal and theirs are vertical, and there's you know we've got some we've got our collarbone, which you know kind of helps us support our front end, but but uh, you know for the horse, I think they rely much more on the muscles. And so we think about our, you know our our core muscles being kind of lower in our stomach and abdomen, but theirs kind of run all the way up, and you know they support their their uh, entire ribs and body, you know, all exactly. from
3: muscles. You know, exactly. so they have to be
0: you know kind of strong. You know, we talk about people's core, and 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 yes, you got to be strong in your abdomen. But a horse also has to be really strong, you know, in all of those muscles that attach and exactly. and lifting. The front end, you know. So,
3: exactly.
0: If you're thinking about your horse's balance, we first, you know, and strength, we first develop the the hind end strength, balance, and their abdomen through first level, whatever. But, but you know, as we're going into second level and third level, we have to then start thinking about the the front end muscles and bringing the withers up. You know, as I, as we're driving.
3: Honestly, up. I think you I think you have to think of all four feet equally all the time, Yes, but I think that it is relative what you just said to the amount of collection and training and where you are in the training at the moment. But I think that when you, let's say we take now the person and we stand back up and now we look at the horse and we still for a moment look at the horse stationary and yes, it doesn't have the shoulder blades to support it like ours, but because they're on four feet all the time, they they have a certain strength just to stand up and not buckle. But yeah. what you will yeah. see, you know, I mean, you look at a horse and it comes in and, and it could be built with a beautiful neck and you look at his chest and it's wide, then you can already have an assumption that the front will be much stronger. If a horse comes in and it has a, like a really young horse, or a horse that's not been developed well, has a, that, you know, a tiny chest with no pectorals in there—that already tells you it will have a hard time picking up the withers in the front end. But the the key is, and I want to get into that a little later. I just first want to talk about the static idea for for people to get a better idea of what is possible. So I think most of you maybe have had seen a body worker working on your horse, or or know that if you can stimulate the horse you know under the sternum or, or a little bit under the armpit that they can start to raise their withers up and you know that is a, an important realization that the horse actually even while standing can pick that area up one of the things that enhances it or really only makes it possible if the horse takes its head and neck and stretches it downward and there we're going to get into anatomy just a tiny little bit when you think of the withers the withers that are the spinal processors, they're very long and kind of built like a teepee shape form. And so they're kind of, they're kind of sticking together. And the nuchal ligament that goes from the tail all the way to the ears starts to split at the withers and is attached to, uh, you know, it, it, it goes like in a fan shape all the way to each one of the vertebrae. And so if the horse starts to reach forward and stretch, then all of a sudden that withers kind of gets pulled apart a little. So that's the moment when the horse starts to be able to raise its sternum more, its withers more. So if you can stimulate that your horse's head comes down and and just standing, and then you would manipulate it with your fingernails a little bit in front of the girth, make sure you don't get kicked. Hopefully your horse likes to do this. But if you do it and then the horse can come up that much higher when the neck is down, which is a little bit the description of what we started to talk about when we were on the floor. Like if you're on the floor and you raise your head way up, you're going to have a much harder time pushing up off your arms like in a push-up than when your neck is, you know, kind of arched out and forward like the horse would be. So that's sort of in the stationary idea. But then, you know, you can do even little things. You know, I sometimes I stand and I use the surefoot pads. We've talked about that before, but when the horse stands on the surefoot pad, I will very gently just pull on the mane and pull the horse a little forward. And you ride right away can see how it stimulates the pecs. They have to work because the horse balances itself, doesn't want to fall off the pads. And You know, even if you go to the withers and you gently shift the weight from one front leg to the other, you will also see the pecs starting to work. So you start to realize that the front end is part of the balance and the whole system all the time. And so then, you know, I try to have people think about, you know, when you ride, how do we get the withers up? And then you start to realize that momentum can come to play. Like you can have this young horse that is incredibly bred, that is a beautiful mover, that has a lot of cadence through the front leg, that already starts to move in that lightness that we would later want to see in a trained horse. And you wouldn't want to ride that out of the horse, but you would want to be mindful that you direct that movement so that. The feet are really placed where they need to be placed. So in order to raise that withers up, the horse has to push off its front legs in motion. So in the walk, that's the hardest because we don't have airtime. The airtime actually is helpful for that situation. So in the walk, sometimes horses with the weak sling, what you can tell is if you were going to walk towards a mirror, and you look at the front feet if you can't feel it. Some horses really step rather from side to side or take one front front leg and keep stepping a little bit off to the side. And it can be quite hard to stabilize the forelegs sometimes in the walk. And I often try to show my students that if they walk towards a mirror to really practice that they only see the two front feet So they know that they keep the shoulders right in front of the haunches and that the horse really stays aligned. And what you can feel often is there the stride can be longer because if the stride goes over to the side, it can't have the same length. And so for the walk, that can be a very, very good image. And then you start to feel it because I think as a rider, you got to feel you know, you have to feel the withers, you have to feel that shoulder girdle, and you have to feel that rib cage. But I also think that you have to be really aware of every footfall, meaning where does the foot hit the ground? Is And then you feel, of course, rhythm and tempo, here we go into the training scale, you know, are we in the right rhythm, are we in the right tempo? That's number one. But where do the feet go? Are they actually going straight in front of you or are they going somewhere off to the side? And people are very unaware of that. So to learn and to feel where the front feet are stepping is important. So the horse can push off the front feet because that's ultimately that spring system in the front legs is what helps to bring that withers up. And so you also have to be mindful of the length of stride like for example if we now get into the trot i've seen this in runners that i saw the study which i really liked where they showed you for for each runner depending on their conformation their length of the leg there was the perfect stride from where they could push off to the next stride which gave them the best airtime the best run and so forth and they could hit straight on and That's the same for the horse. So if you take a horse and you make it, you know, you run it off its feet and the stride gets too long, it may not be able to push off it. Or if you can't make the horse flow forward enough, then the horse also doesn't have the energy to push off those front feet. So you really have to have that feeling that the front feet are reciprocating what you are creating from the hind legs. And that's really, you know, as we then speak, you know, moving up the level, that's a feeling of creating a cadence. It's not just the hind ends that are, that are bending, but the front legs have to push up off the ground and really help the horse to get airtime in front as well. So sometimes one of the images that I have is that when I'm in the trot, I think of riding a slow medium trot. So I feel this, this movement for the front and I feel that, you know, idea how the horse can push up off the ground. And then when you go and you look at this in the canter, what you will see is that when you think about it mechanically, I think of the canter a little bit like a horse going up to the jump. When the horse goes up to the jump, it has to actually collect before it gets to the jump. And then it almost pushes off the front and like it rears up out of the canter and then it pushes over the fence. And that shows you that the horse can deliberately push up off those front legs. And again, now we have these amazing horses that you can see in pictures that are bred now. You look at them in the canter, their front end clears like two feet often. But that is the image, even if you have a horse that doesn't have that talent, what you would like to create. And so learning that feeling that in the canter, the horse can literally push off the front end and come up a little higher, almost like you're bouncing the ball. And, you know, not thinking so much about the downbeat, but really taking the downbeat to push the horse up and forward. Like sometimes I give an image of the horse doing like a little in and outs in the front. So the front end and the shoulders get out of the way. So the horse is able to clear the hind legs and jump. And so these are some of the things that I try to tell my students so they can get an idea of what the front legs actually have to do. And that really momentum is what will strengthen it. And now and then I use like a little trick where I take the, the little plastic bag on the end of the stick and I let the, the horse sniff it and then I let them gently chase it. And when the horse has the right uh, attitude towards it, I make sure that they don't run the other way. I obviously show it to them in a nice way. And then sometimes you see the horse chasing it in the sense of the getting more elevated with the front end, like you know more playful, and then all of a sudden the student gets the idea of what it can actually feel like when the front legs get lighter and when the horse pushes up off the front end so these are some of the things that I try to uh, show them so that it's easier to understand because if you don't have a view of what you want in the end, what movement do you want in the end. It's very hard to train if you don't have that vision. And I have a wonderful new assistant right now who has been with me long enough that she's seen some horses that came that were, you know, flattered, and unengaged and have heavier. And then she gets the opportunity to ride them. Like you know, six months later or whatever, and she goes like, "Oh my God, I had no idea they could be that light." And I'm trying to tell her, you have to have that vision. If you don't have a vision, what you want, what your outcome would be in the end, how you want that horse to move, then it's very difficult to create it.
0: Well, that's I mean, that's a a great explanation and a lot of different visuals that people can think about. Like you said, you know, we're all worried about the hind end, but. But you know where is the hind end going, and and how is that energy transferred, and you know how do we have the horses move uh, efficiently behind, and then you know how, where does that go, and can can we get them to move efficiently up front yeah. as well, yeah. and then we have a horse that's balanced over all four legs, exactly. and and just like you said, this it was it was great. I mean, yeah, we gave you a difficult topic, and you came on and you and you explained it, and. Uh, and I think next time Go we ahead. have you, we're going to we're going to we talk, talk about, a little
3: bit more how to do it.
0: Yeah. You know, what, how does that apply in the exercises?
3: Yep, And what is important in the rider? Because your position is going to be extremely important if you're behind the motion, too slow, too fast, land in the saddle wrong. All of those things take the bounce out of the horse and that it'll be very hard to get that kind of elevation that you want.
1: Fantastic. Well, Felicitas, thank you so much for ta- for tackling that topic. It's, it's a huge topic. And how can our listeners find you online and, and get more information about it? Uh,
3: well, I think you can easily find me on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a lot of little, you know, tips and little videos that you can, you know, see it. And I'm actually starting to teach some symposiums around the country, a little bit more trying to put this whole subject together how the horse should be, what the rider has to do. And I just want to give a broader education that people can come up with more creative ideas and and really in a more horse-friendly way.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much.
3: My pleasure.
1: Keeping our horses happy and healthy is paramount to horse owners everywhere. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment we create for them, The Stolen Stable Show covers ideas that help us create the best home we can. From innovations in barn design to business best practices and lifestyle segments, there's a new episode every two weeks at stallandstable.com, Horse Radio Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we are so excited, as always, to have our favorite guest, Wendy Murdoch from the Murdoch Method on the show. Hi, Wendy. (laughs) <laughs> Reese Howard. Do you say that about all your guests they there? Your no, favorite? just or you. Really, me. Okay, good. Just, <laughs> just tell you. No, just everybody, you. Can, yeah. everybody can tell you. Just you, because you just make it. We, for, first of all, everybody, we're not kidding you. F- Paul has to like beat us down to stop chatting and get the tape started. He's like, "Come on, guys." come on, let's get the tape started. Cause we love chatting with Wendy. Oh, and I love hearing what Wendy's got going on. Cause she, Wendy, you are truly amazing. Like, you are so, something nice. I don't know how you do it. I'm like exhausted either. when I talk to you. I'm like, she is so cool. She does so much cool stuff. So I love it. So Wendy, what do we got going on this
4: month? Okay. So, so I was just down at a, at a, at a lovely dressage barn today. And I was doing some lessons and i gave one of the writers a feldenkrais lesson and so i thought you know we haven't really talked about feldenkrais so maybe we should talk about it first of all i'm going to tell you how to spell it because everybody gets it wrong and they think it's a religion it's not um and this is how i remember it and if if this is too silly i'm sorry but this is how i do it f-e-l-d-e-n-k-r-a-i-s feldenkrais right and you would remember that song right do you remember that song
1: Oh yeah. oh yeah. Okay, good. Just, Just say it one more time, but I'm not sure I can spell it again.
4: Feldenkrais, Feldenkrais in instead of Mickey Mouse, and okay. so that's how I learned to remember to spell it properly because I couldn't remember. And once I put it with the Mickey Mouse, song, but I could spell it. So yes, but it's not Mickey Mouse. But you know, when you when you've grown, I still have my mouse get to your ears. I'm honest. I still have my mouse get to your ears. So that you know that dates me and that's going to show and
1: and i no, um, it Watson. doesn't date okay. you know i i have an eight-year-old niece so we're still we're still rocking that okay we're still, a little we're still different rocking. century but it's okay yeah, but anyway it's okay. A dream. that's
4: cool uh, so the feldenkrais method is what i use in my teaching and I've been, I've trained in the Feldenkrais method for over 16 years. I've trained with some really top people. And one of the people I train with is a woman named Mia Siegel. And she was Feldenkrais's assistant for 15 years before he started teaching the method to other people. So she she's still alive. She's 80. I think she's 87. She's a black belt judo master. And she is one of the coolest people I know. And what I love, love, love about Mia is I've watched her go into a room and just walk over to someone and just say, you know, like, oh, that's a pretty blouse. And bing, they light up like a firecracker. And I have watched this woman do this for years, that she is able to turn people's lights on. And so she is my mentor and my guru, I guess. I hate that word, but uh, in terms of the Feldenkrais, because not only is the technique amazing, but the way watching her be able to just... Be able to turn people's lights on is the best way I could describe it. And 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 she was very, very honest in it. And so it's kind of like a role model for me for teaching because, you know, one of the things about writing instruction that I can remember and that I've seen is that we tend to get so negative. Um, the instructors tend to get, you know, strong and gel and, you know, and you have to do it right. and And everybody, you know, like people are trying to figure out what right is. And so, you know, when I get a new student, a lot of times I just had one like two days ago and she's been yelled at by, I'm sorry, a dressage instructor. And, you know, it was about getting it right. And it's like, it's, it's not wrong. It's just you have to be able to explore what's happening underneath you instead of trying to model your body after someone else's image that's not your body and therefore it's not going to work the same. In other words, if you have an instructor that's, you know, a woman that's 5 foot 10 with a leg that's got a 36-inch inseam and you're 4 foot 11 and, you know, have a 28-inch, it doesn't work. It because it's not your body. And so what Feldenkrais does is it helps people achieve their full potential. And Feldenkrais was about acting, he said, he said two really important things he said we act in accordance to our own self image and you can't think a thought without a movement and what he meant by that is and you've seen this all the time both of you you see students that come in and they're like oh i can't do this and their chest drops and their shoulders round and they're hesitant and they're and they're insecure and so the horses are like i can't go i can't i can't yeah. do that right sure. and what i do is i use the feldenkrais method in my teaching to figure out what is the action behind the thought the student has. So just my typical easiest example to understand is canter, right? Um, Canter can be a bugaboo for a lot of people. Having two leads can be a bugaboo. So I put people on the ground and I say, well, show me your two leads. And they show me one lead and then a scuffly something that's not a canter. And I'm like, oh, and and what does your horse do? Oh, the same thing. So their thought of canter, what their body needs to do or what their horse's body needs to do is not clear. And therefore the horse cannot emulate the thought because their thought is so unclear, which they don't recognize. Okay. People don't do this on purpose. These are unconscious habits, Yeah. whether they're trained into us or injured into us or however into our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, But until we root that out and see what the thought is, the movement behind the thought, I should say, when we see what the movement is behind the thought, then we can address the movement because we are movement-based creatures. That's what we are, just like our horses. But we have this frontal lobe that lets us think that we're more intelligent and that we're not motor-based creatures, right? So then we can intellectualize activities, which we can't. Because activities are movements, and we went through childhood development to figure out how to use our body to move, and then we lost some information, or we never had it because we don't come with a handbook to learn how to do things like crawl. So Feldenkrais method is about showing someone how to do what they're doing and then give them choices so that they can choose how to move in a way that's more efficient, that achieves their potential, that is easy and with with less effort. And ease is the thing we always go back to as, is that ease? Does that feel easier? Not do it harder, but because when you're efficient, you're elegant and it's easy. Like Just think of one of the riders that you've seen, you're like, wow, that just looks so easy because they're so efficient. Or that horse just looks so fluid because it's so efficient. And we recognize inefficiency and effort, but we Teach people to make effort, and we teach you know it's like we should be teaching people to find ease and horses to find ease because that's where the elegance and the beauty is, okay does that help
0: yeah, yeah, so i, I I'd, I'd like to kind of um discuss an example of this awesome um it's something simple you know that that most people you know do you know if they're dressage riders or or just riders um let's say you're attempting to do a leg yield mm-hmm. and, and you know you come up the quarter line and you want to go towards the wall it's you know the let, let's call it efficient use of the inside leg to direct the horse towards the wall you know how would you address the problem of the horse not moving from the leg
4: so my first thing that i do is i break it down okay and so we're going to make a huge assumption here that the horse knows how to do the leg yield already okay I mean, sure. we could make or, the assumption or, or that or he not. doesn't. How, however, yes. you want yes, it. Yes. But in this instance, we're going to make the assumption that the horse already knows how to do a leg yield. And so then I'll I'll watch the rider, and if I see wow they're starting to tighten and contract, I'm like that is going to influence the horse and make it harder. So let me stop, let me take the rider off, let me have the rider show me a leg yield on their own two feet, and then I get to see do they fall to the wall. Do they push forward from the outside leg as they move across? Do they understand what adduction is, adduction meaning how the leg comes across, and is there any power in their movement? And what most people do is cock their pelvis, drop it to one side, and then crisscross their legs and fall to the wall, and so there's no forward movement in their body. And so I already know, A, that they don't understand truly what leg yield is, B, that they don't understand that it's about maintaining forward movement as they go. C, they don't understand what their weight is supposed to do because they've already leaned over or not. You know, I mean, they've either blocked and can't move the leg or fall or shorten. And so they don't understand that if you don't have a sense of middle, you're going to block the horse because if your weight's too far to the inside, he's got to follow the weight to the inside. If your weight's too far to the outside, he's going to fall to the outside because we need to keep him upright. That's the thing. If you don't keep the horse upright, you're not going to get ab and adduction, which is what leg yield is. So ABduction is the horse, the legs moving further apart from each other, and ADduction, adduction, is the legs coming together. And a leg yield is ab and adduction from the horse, So, but it's with alignment so that we could boop, pick up our canter after the leg yield or change the bend and leg yield back the other way because he's in the middle. And so if the rider thinks that leg guilt is leaning or throwing their weight over or
0: So earlier a when ring, you were talking about like, you know, using the rider to canter, it's it's having the rider come off the horse and demonstrate with their own body what they're trying to have the horse do.
4: It's my first step. Because if they don't okay. know how to do the movement, how can the horse do it? Right. Right. So that's my first step. And then I take them through a series of, of explorations or understanding of, well, what is it are we're trying to, you know, how do you use your body? Can you have faults so that you can move that inside leg wherever you need to? Oh, you can't, you can't hold your weight on your outside leg long enough to cross your inside leg over, or you have one leg that's weaker or stronger than the other. So one leg can hold, but the other can't. So now I know your leg is not going to be equal. And then I sh- literally show them what they're doing, how to do it different put them back up on the horse and lo and behold now they understand what leg yield is and guess what when they then picture leg yield their body automatically starts doing the movement because they understand it and you'll watch the horse's automatically set up for leg yield from a thought not from an action because they're not making it hard for the horse to do the movement anymore
1: I mean it makes sense right like and and I think also you have the anywhere saddle chair oh yeah, yeah this that's a huge help i find um with riders that are really struggling sometimes we'll pull them off the horse and you know use a tool like that because that can help as well yes
4: anything that brings awareness and that's why i have all the tools i have because the purpose of the tools is to get people out of their habit so their brain starts to go what am i doing and then feel something different so that they can do something different so if we just tell them you know more leg what does that mean what is more leg? Do you want me to grow a third leg and stick it on? You know, what is more leg? Does it mean get stronger and tougher? Does it mean block my hip? Does it mean shift my weight? And, and this is what I find is that we, we use terms we understand because we've been around it long enough. Do we know, Oh, okay. But Other people don't know there's a timing to that leg, there's a a finesse to that leg, there's a softness to that leg, so that actually it's not just the leg application, it's releasing the leg so that the horse can move, as opposed to holding the leg on, tightening the hip, shifting the weight, and then making it so the horse can't move. And, And until we start to think about it in terms of, do you really understand how to do the movement, Let me show you, we show the horses, that's what training's all about. Let me show the horse how to do the movement. But until we think about the student and say, let me make sure you understand what I am asking you to do on this horse, then we're we're just hoping they hit on the right button and lo and behold, they get a feeling and maybe they can repeat it when they go home, but probably not because they don't know what they did. But if we help them understand what it is, how to do it specifically, what's the purpose of it on your own two feet so you feel it and embody it. Because once you embody it, that's what trainers do. Then they embody the movement and they get on the horse. And of course the horse goes, oh, no problem. I can take up both leads or leg yield left and right. Because the rider's body is embodying the movement that the horse simply expresses.
1: And so so true. Yeah. No, what I was just going to say is, you know, it's so funny. I I had this very experience last night teaching a lesson to a student and she was like, you know, I was really trying to get her to be balanced over the top of the horse and she's you know was a jump rider for a long time now she's come to a venting but she's really struggling with dressage and she said well that, that, I'm not, I don't feel very proper in that seat and she showed me what quote-unquote proper was and and it was so off of and she felt like it was right right because that's yes. what her body had done and so I literally said you know there was a mirror in that arena where I was teaching and I said, come over here and let's look at, let's just look at what you feel like is correct and what it looks like in the mirror and what I'm trying to do with your body. And she was shocked. She's like, oh, I really am doing that. Aren't I? It was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You are. And, and, and even just that awareness of seeing it and then we put her back and so she could feel it. And it was, it was, it was shocking to see the difference in in yeah. her position once she sort of so you know when we've been working together for a while now and and that's one of the things I've learned from you is is the tools that you have are tools to help writers feel how they're supposed to do it and then change it and so you have so many great tools and um you also now have the lookup glasses like you have lots love, of fun stuff.
4: I have the lookup glasses in eight different colors now. I'm
1: so excited for the lookup glasses. <laughs> You're coming to visit me next week For yes, two are. weeks. <laughs> and I really 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 can't wait for these. I'm so excited we've been hearing about them. Um which is amazing. And and you have lots of tools on your website, right? Not not Absolutely. You know, you, you and the beauty of the lookup glasses
4: is that our primary way of of gathering information is through our eyes. So we want to look at our horse, but we need to feel our horse. We need to feel our body, feel our horse, and feel our body in relation to our horse. And so when you put the lookup glasses on, it limits your vision below so that you, that, and that's exactly what the, one one of my students is like, I learned how to feel from the look glasses because I no longer looked, right? um, And so, but that's the, you know, the whole purpose if I was to like just say what Feldenkrais is about in a nutshell, it's about awareness and choices. And that's why Surefoot is based on Feldenkrais. It's about awareness, noticing what's going on with the horse and giving the horse choices so he notices what's going on and he changes himself from his own self-awareness. And we change when we have self-awareness with the tools of how to do something else. Just awareness without a choice is just you know, okay, I'm just still doing the same thing. But awareness with an option is where change occurs. And our body is designed to seek ease, just as our horse's body is designed to seek ease. But if you don't have a feeling of ease, you can't go after it. It just doesn't. And I've had students come to me that say that they were taught that when it hurt, it was correct. That they sought pain because that's when they got reinforced as correct. And that's just like the antithesis of anything I did. Yeah, but it was yeah. so shocking, right? She was like, I, I, you know, if it's painful, I must be right. I was like, wow, where'd that come from? And it came from her education. Uh, yeah, we're like, uh. Yeah.
0: uh have I have no words say. for that one. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It was just astounding to me. And so, you know, it's it, that's the thing is, is, we are designed to seek ease and the horse is designed to seek ease and we capitalize on that with the horse because as they start to do a movement correctly they feel it's easier wow i can do this and we reward them for that and they go oh right but with so often with students what they're, what they're seeking is approval of the instructor at the sacrifice of their own body because they haven't been taught to look for the ease in their body in relation to the horse. They're just trying to put themselves into a pose that's going to get the yes from the instructor. Sit up, shoulders back, chest out, even if it puts the horse on the forehand because they haven't been taught to— to connect to the ease and to the relationship, they're simply trying to model after what someone else's image is of what they should look
1: like. It shouldn't hurt everybody. Like that's nope. bad. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. Um, yeah. No, I love it. Well, Wendy, as always, <laughs> we love. This was a deep of- one tonight, right? We're yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, wow. This,
0: is- this important way to th- to think about things, and you know, and I like that I like the idea of. Taking the rider off of a horse and having them demonstrate, you know, uh, what it's they think what you learn. the movement should be or, yeah, what their horse should yeah. be doing. I love that. I'm going to use that a little bit more because, um, yeah, I can see, see exactly, you know, how that can lead to learning. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah. And that's the thing is we we make the assumption that if you say shoulder in, the student actually knows how to do it. That's a huge assumption, right? because so many people are not shown exactly what it is they're supposed to do to create that movement in the horse and so they just wind up kind of holding and squeezing and pulling on reins and trying to half out and all this sort of stuff because they actually in the bottom line is they don't know the movement and yet in any other sport tennis you know do your forehand oh stop how'd that feel now just make this little tweak to your wrist and see and look there you go right right um but we don't break it down enough for riders in my opinion and and I'm not saying that all instructors
1: don't break down there's a, it's getting way better than it. yeah been, I mean 40, I think again, years ago, okay? it's become yeah it's definitely it's, become more uh, you know it's part of it and just even like um when I started working with you Andy I I didn't have the tools um you know, I mean, we've worked together and, and you've shown me, I didn't know the Franklin balls. Like I didn't know there was a lot of other tools out there for coaching and, and there is, and and right. you have to be open to them. And, and once you use them, you're, it, they're really helpful. So you have tons of, um, <laughs> aids and tools how can our listeners find it online okay so they can go to murdoch method that's with
4: an h -H m-u-r-d-o-c-h.com and under rider aids and i think we have a button right on the home page now to get to the rider aids and there's lots of different rider aids there Um, i have online courses hosted at horseclass.com in fact i have a jumping course and a- abc of on the aids course and uh effortless rider course i have three different books that you can find them on my website and of course facebook murdoch method and um i'm working on some new stuff uh it'll take me a little while to get there but stay tuned you know me i'm always working on
1: some new always stuff. <laughs> you're i don't you have endless energy I, i'm just like i need some of your energy i love it Awesome. <laughs> well i can't and wait to see you i get to see you in a couple of weeks and we're gonna have a yeah. good time we'll, we'll take some pictures for everybody and and we'll talk about next month what we learned while you're here at, at maplecrest
4: awesome awesome looking forward to seeing you and and phil just remember i'll be up there in september hopefully all going well and get to meet you in person in canada that would be so cool that would
0: be fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds great all
4: right well thanks guys always appreciate thanks, being Wendy. on the show
1: Well, Phil, we have really been enjoying our Trust Design halters. Uh, We've been actually out on the town a little bit, uh, taking the horses on some field trips, getting ready for the summer and spring shows that are happening. Uh, And so my little baby has the rose one. It looks so sharp on him. So he's been wearing it a lot because we've been trying to get off, you know, practice what we preach and do some field trips. So we enjoy putting their beautiful halters on as we go. So we have a discount code, right, for our listeners.
0: So you can get 10% off of the Trust Design products by entering HRN on the coupon code before checkout. So hopefully our listeners appreciate that and enter that in because it helps us out, uh, you know, helps the companies to track their sales and where they're coming from. So, you know, I mean, it's good for you for 10% off. It's good for us and it's good for the company. So go to www.hub.com. T-R-V-S-T,
1: Well, for this week's Trust Design Trainer Tip of the Week, we have Felicitas Von Neumann-Cassell back on to talk about some exercises for engaging the shoulder sling. So Felicitas, welcome back. Thanks for staying on and and, uh, helping us with some exercises.
3: Well, excellent. I hope uh, you guys were able to listen to what we talked about the last time, looking at the horse's shoulders or sling from the horse's point of view and how to imagine the horse going differently. I think now we wanna talk a little bit what is important for the rider. Uh, to help the horse to stay as engaged and to be able to use its forelegs as much as the hind legs, and to get the general flow that everybody's dreaming of, to get that impulsion, to get that that that, that we all talk about, and to be able to create a horse that moves more freely and with you know equal joint bend. And I think one of the things that people Forget is that the rider's part of this is very important in the sense of going with the movement. if you are, for example, in a rising trot and you feel the rhythm of the rising trot, if you're posting too far in the back of the saddle or you come down too slow at that moment where the horse's back comes down then what will happen is that the horse's back will stay down and there is no way it can push off its legs to come up and forward and to create more airtime. So it's very important for us to feel that our legs are a little bit like springs so that our legs are soft and that our core is aligned really over our legs, making sure that your rib cage is over your pelvis and your pelvis is over your legs So you can really be in balance and a really good exercise to feel this in the rising trot, for example, is to stay in the air a couple strides or three strides and really feel the joints in your legs working. And when you come back down, if you're behind the movement, you will feel it because you will be coming crashing down and your horse will either run away or hit the brakes. So this idea that you really are floating and almost like you're more buoyant with the horse and you give the horse an air ride can go a long way to help the horse to stay in the air longer. This is basically what we want. We want the horse to go forward, but we want the equivalent amount also to push up off the ground. And, you know, for for you to think about how can I, control that, one of the things that you can think about that you say, oh, my horse is going a little too quick or a little too fast. You can think about that on your rise when you're maybe on a circle, let's say you're on a circle to the left, that if you want the horse to not make the stride much longer, but you want that energy and you want to get it to come upward, that you think with your seat that you come down just a little faster, like, Almost like your feet would be a hand bouncing a ball, but that when you come up, you almost feel like you keep that horse in the air a moment longer. And what I think about is that is my moment, I hate to say the word half up because people often use it as a stopping aid, but I really feel that moment in the rise goes into my outside rein because that's when the outside front leg comes up and I try to almost keep that outside front leg in the air a little longer and then keep that feeling of that lower tempo with more energy and with more push-up off the ground. And little things can be very helpful, like trotting over some trotting poles, sometimes not always thinking about taking the poles further apart, but maybe uh, making them just a little higher. So the horse has to push up off the ground and you get that feeling of airtime And when you feel what it feels like underneath of you, try to maintain that after the trotting poles. So that would be just a very basic feeling in your rising trot to see that you can create more swing and almost having that feeling of riding a little bit of a slow medium trot so you get this cadence feeling. And, you know, sometimes I almost feel like I'm trying to make the front legs a little longer. So it's just an awareness. So maybe that tip helps you.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. For me, I kind of think about, uh, you said it, with, with kind of a half halt, you know, up front towards the outside rein on a circle or towards both reins. If you're doing yeah. some trot poles, I think it's important for people to stay soft in their arm, hand, you know, their own shoulders, fingers, so that they're receiving the energy and just making it hesitate and not kind of jamming the elbows absolutely. back or getting really tight in their wrists and fingers. That's that's a hard uh, thing to do, but
3: absolutely. people
0: should, and, uh, should, you know, kind of play with a little bit more contact and then a little bit less contact and just, like I said, you know, work on receiving that energy
3: yeah and I think that's a that's a whole subject really for itself, the idea of how to carry your hands and 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 how to feel and how to have the right amount of give in your elbow without throwing the reins away, and how to close the hand just one finger at the time instead of clenching it. There's so many you know little ways you can feel that, but you're absolutely right if you get too tight on that moment of the up, that's why when people you know hear half alt sometimes they just get too tense, then you're actually choking the energy instead of recycling it. And that's really about recycling the energy.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, Felicitas, thank you so much for our tip of the week. How can our listeners find you online for more information?
3: I think it will be really easy to find me on Instagram or on Facebook. And we have lots of little videos that can be fun to watch. And hopefully one of those will help you too.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Well, Phil, I've been really enjoying our book club of the month, Gerd Horseman's Balancing Act. We still have it going, so everybody you can get it at horseandriderbooks.com, horseandriderbooks.com. And again, our book club is Gerd Horseman's Balancing Act. And as always, keep the email and Facebook shout outs coming. We love them. I love hearing from people in, in my area that have come to visit. We've had a few people do that. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys uh as I'm doing some uh clinics. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
0: I think the best way to find me is through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, The Murdoch Method, and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com.
1: Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week.